0: There was a man, there was a man who referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, that, that's an incredible statement. That statement, to make that kind of statement, especially to put it in writing, that takes a lot of guts, or it takes actually knowing Jesus enough, being close enough to him to truly encounter him and to know his love for real, like through and through. The guy's name who made this statement, I'm the disciple whom Jesus loved, his name was John. And he was one of the 12 disciples who walked with Jesus for for those three amazing years of earthly ministry. And this man, he wrote a gospel not just because he wanted to, to be published and get on Amazon and all that kind of stuff. No, he wrote a gospel so that the rest of us can encounter Jesus in the way that he's encountered Jesus. So the rest of us can know Jesus the way that he knows Jesus. To really know him, to know his love for us. You know, God wants you to know his love for you, he does. I know some of you think, man, Pastor Eric, he's, you know he just talks about issues, and he's a big guy, and he's a tough guy, and he brings it and all that kind of stuff. But I'm here to tell you today, the most important thing you need to hear today, I believe, is that Jesus loves you. God loves you. He loves you. And because of that love, some pretty significant things have happened. Wars have been waged in the heavenlies. His son came to this earth. He hung on a cross. He bled out for you. Because God loves you. God loves you. And this this disciple John got it. He understood it. He understood, God loves me. I'm the guy God loves. And John writes this gospel because he wants all of us to encounter that reality with God as well. And God gave us this gospel through John because God wants you, he wants all of us to know that love. And to be able to say, as John said, I'm the guy, I'm the girl, I'm the disciple who Jesus loves. I know it. I don't just say it. I don't just read it. It's not just doctrine. It's like like reality. I really know it. God loves me. He loves me. Yeah, you're messed up, Eric. I know, but he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. So I hope as as we're studying the Gospel of John this week and next week, maybe the following week, I'm not sure, and as you're reading through, and I'm, I'm imploring you, read through the Gospel of John. It's a longer read than 2 Peter, which is what we studied last week. It's definitely a longer read, but oh my goodness, I've read it so many times in this past week as I was reading it yet again. I mean, it was just hitting me. I was just like... It wasn't a gut punch. It was like, a, like a, a stirring up of my heart. And I pray that as you're making your way through this gospel yet again, that you would encounter a friendship with Jesus like you've never encountered before. That you would encounter an assurance of your salvation and of God's love for you like you haven't maybe experienced, maybe even since the day that you first came to Christ and came alive in Him. God wants you to know that, that assurance and that love once again. He wants you to be able to say with confidence, I'm the dude God loves. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the disciple who God really loves. He loves me. So here we are. We're in. Our Mission 27 journey through the 27 books of the New Testament. As you can tell, we are in the Gospel of John this week and probably next week. And we're going to be studying actually all the writings of the Apostle John, starting with his Gospel. John was the last surviving of the Apostles. All the other Apostles had been martyred, meaning they were killed, murdered, because they professed faith and preached the Gospel of Jesus. But John was left alive, and John took those breaths that he was given of life, and he wrote his amazing and unique gospel while living in Ephesus. And in Ephesus, he was taking care of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Remember when Jesus was on the cross, and he looked at the disciple, and it was John, and he said, hey, here's your mother now. Take care, in other words, take care of my mom. I've got a mission for you. I've got a ministry for you to continue. And part of it's taking care of my mom. What a big responsibility and privilege. John's gospel, it's unique. And and as you read the Gospels, you understand that John's is just a little different. The other Gospels all have a similar form and flavor and perspective that they're coming from. They're called the Synoptic Gospels, and those are the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John chooses, chooses a different approach. These other Gospels take the approach of helping us understand primarily what Jesus did. They look primarily at the outside of Jesus. What did he do? He did this, then he went here, and he did this, and then he went here, and this person was raised from the dead, and these demons were cast out, and this person was healed, and he preached, and he brought the kingdom of God, and he went to a cross for us. And then John, he takes a little different approach in his gospel, and he chooses to look at the inside of Jesus, the person of Jesus, the character of Christ not simply the acts of ministry. John says, let's go and take a deep dive into who is this Jesus. He wants his readers to know not just about Jesus, but actually to encounter him and to know him deeply through and through. And he wants this for you. He wants this for you, to truly know Jesus deeply, through and through. Not just about him, although we need to know about him. But he wants us to know him. So who is Jesus? The Gospel of John, part one, that's the title. Simple title, but who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? In fact, let me just preface it with this. There are two primary messages in the Gospel of John. The first message is, here is Jesus. Here's who he is. The second message is, Believe upon him Know him and believe Know him and believe that's the purpose of the gospel of John. I want to start off with this little story How many of you have seen the movie Ben-Hur? And I'm talking about the, like the original one. There's I think there's a newer one that came out too I didn't watch that one. I don't think but but i watched the original one You know one with Charlton Heston, you know the man's man in that thing, right? and so Ben-Hur primary character, he'd been imprisoned by the Romans, and he was in chains, and they were marching him to take a place on a ship where he was going to spend pretty much the rest of his days just manual labor rowing as a, as a slave. And so they've got all these guys in chains, and they're marching them across the desert to the sea, um, and, and they're just collapsing one after another. And Ben-Hur falls to the ground, exhausted, broken, hungry, And thirsty and he cries out God help me God help me You know that's a good thing to cry out when you're in need I'm serious. I mean like if you really mean it cry out. God help me God help me and maybe somebody just cried that out this morning He hears He hears And so in this movie, Ben-Hur, he drops, he's thirsty, he's broken. God, help me. And what happens at that moment? Jesus, now the film never showed his face, but you knew it was Jesus. And Jesus shows up and he extends his hand and he extends some water and he pours it into Ben-Hur's mouth, quenching Well, the Roman soldier who was in charge saw this going on, and he starts screaming and yelling at Jesus. And he raises his whip, and he's about to, to whip Jesus. And Jesus turns around and shows his face to this Roman soldier, at which point the countenance on this man, it just changed completely. And he withheld the whip. And he backed off. The effect of this scene was basically this this is what they were trying to portray Is that an encounter with Jesus Christ would stun and perhaps even soften the hardest of men Y'all when we encounter Jesus, I mean like really encounter him It's gonna rock our world It's gonna change our lives and this is what God wants for every single one of us to truly encounter him and know him. Yet the world, man, the world seems like it's always missing Jesus. Do you see that? The world's like always missing Jesus. They, they were missing Jesus back in the day. Jesus is walking on this earth. God incarnate. He's doing miracles. But man didn't understand who he was. Jesus even said, he asked his disciples, who, who do people say I am? Who do men say that I am? I mean, who do they think I am? And his disciples said, well, some think that you're John the Baptist. I would, Jesus probably like, dude, I don't look anything. I mean, I'm his cousin, but I'm way better looking than John. But anyway, anyway, that's not in the Bible, by the way. I just made that up right now. So I'm just saying. <laughs> but who do men say I am? And, and his disciples reply, well, some say you're John the Baptist. Others say that you're Elijah. Still others say that you're one of the prophets. You know, at one time, the religious leaders, these are supposed to be like the smart people. These are the people who have read the prophecies and should, of anybody should know this is the Messiah. They said that Jesus was Beelzebub, the prince of devils. That's how clueless, broken, messed up man can be. Man, we can miss Jesus. We can miss him. And today the world continues to miss Jesus. And they, they, they debate, who, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? And, and some say, I, I think he was a good teacher. May, I don't know. I think he was just a liar. Some say that he's just a made-up fairy tale. I, I, there's a young man, it's breaking my heart. There's a young man that I, we've known his family for years. Grew up going to a church about two miles from here. Played in the homeschool sports league and all this kind of stuff. He's at a place right now, he's deconstructed his faith, which means he's walked away from Jesus. And he's claiming Jesus is just made up. This is where he's at in his life. So many people don't know who Jesus is. They don't know him. They don't know him. But it doesn't matter what people think about Jesus. It doesn't matter who they say Jesus is or isn't, and their opinions, their theories, because none of that changes who Jesus really is. Can I get an amen on that? The Apostle John hits it head on. He starts his gospel with this description of Jesus. John chapter 1, verse 1. Open your Bibles. Check this out. John writes, In the beginning was the word and john's speaking of jesus here we're going to talk about what he means by the word that's a capital w in your bibles for a reason in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was with god in the beginning and through him all things were made without him nothing was made that has been made in him was life and that life was the light of all mankind the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word was in the beginning. The Word was with God. The Word was God. John uses the word Word. Word. Capital W-O-R-D. And he uses this to describe Jesus. Why? What, what, why use that word? What does that word, what does the word Word mean? Word? What does it mean, right? In Greek, the word is logos. That's the word word. It's logos. And logos is actually best and simply defined as the reason why. In the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the logos. In the beginning was the reason why. That's who Jesus is. The reason why. Not a reason why, but the reason why. The word, capital W, Logos. And we're always looking for a reason why. How many of you know that? Ever since, how many of you have had kids? They're why, why? Clean your room, why? Brush your teeth, why? Why, why? But then they also want to know other things. Why does, why does this happen? Why doesn't this happen? Why do I have to wear pants when I go to church and just can't, whatever? Yeah, I don't know. Kids are, you know, anyway, maybe that's just my kids. I don't know. But anyway. Ben, no. That's mean. I mean, he's always worn pants to church, so just FYI, right? All right. But we look for a reason why. You know, logos, another another um, related word to that is like L-O-G-Y. So like when you look at like biology, that... Logi part of biology is is the same root word from logos meaning the reason why the re- biology is looking for the reason For life the reason of life the study of life the reason of life theology is the reason why God or the study of God the reason why and many people struggle with the reason why why are a lot of People struggle with this. Why am I here? Why am I here? It's easy to not understand why we're here if we don't know the reason why. It's easy to understand that. I mean, when the world tells us you're just a blob anyway, you just evolved, you just kind of showed up by random accident. I mean, when that's kind of how how things are explained to us, a lot of people are going to wonder well, why am I here then, really? I mean, what's why does this all matter what's the purpose of all of this but when you understand that Jesus is the reason you mean Jesus is the reason I'm here yeah he's the reason that you're here he's the reason you exist he's the reason why in the beginning was the reason why the reason why what the reason why the reason why and the reason why you in the beginning He was the reason why and we're here to know him and we're here to be known by him we're here to know the reason why so check this out rather than beginning his gospel with the story of Jesus's birth which is fine to do and the other ones did that right they started with Jesus's birth but John he takes it back a lot further than that and John begins his gospel presenting us with the deity of Christ in eternity. And so that gets us to point number 1. Jesus is eternal. This is all about knowing Jesus. This is the the primary reason that John wrote this gospel is so that we would know Jesus, so that Jesus would be revealed to us. And Jesus is eternal. Super key. Very important. In the beginning was the word, in went in the beginning was the word, the logos. The reason why and the word was with God and the word was God so John is making sure that everyone understands that Jesus is the uncreated always existing reason why Jesus is God and Jesus is eternal do we understand that do you see that so clearly I mean it's, it's plain it's right there black and white in our Bibles the first sentence of the Gospel of John Jesus Is Eternal You know as we're talking about Jesus and who he is Y'all know this you can say any other name and it's no problem But there's something about the name of Jesus when we bring Jesus into a conversation into a room It's like people either get excited or people start getting squirmish man Because there's something about that name Because every other name Is less than you can say Muhammad you can say Buddha you can say Joe you can say Sue you can say whatever you want to any other name and it's like okay whatever but you bring the name of Jesus now you're bringing the eternal uncreated one into the conversation and into the room. And there are, there's a fiber, I'm telling you, in every person because we were created in this image by him, we were created, we were knit together in our mother's womb. There's a fiber, there's, a, there's this, this common grace that's in everyone that, 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 that at the name of Jesus, I mean, something happens. And either, either you're drawn to that name or you push away and you're retracted from that name. Because there's something about that name. There's something about Jesus. Because he is the eternal, uncreated one. Because he is God. In the beginning, John says, in the beginning was the word. And and does that sound familiar? Where else do we see that that terminology? Genesis 1-1, right? We got John 1-1. He's taking us all the way back to the beginning. All the way back. Genesis 1 1 when God created the heavens and the earth and what is John saying? Jesus was there Jesus was there because Jesus is God and then he uses the word was When he says in the beginning was the word indicating that that he was there at the beginning of the universe He's always existed the word Jesus was already in existence and has always been In existence why because he is God in the beginning God and in the beginning was the word John means that there was never a time. There was never a moment. There was never an instant There was never a second. There was never any moment when the word Jesus was not because he's eternal He's eternal That's important Like man, why does this really matter? I just want him to pull me out of the pit. I get it but the more you know who he is, oh, man, the more alive you're going to be and the more confidence you're going to have in him. I'm telling you, we got to know him more, and he wants you to know him more. Now, some religions, some who even call themselves Christians, like Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, for instance, they deny the eternal existence of Jesus. Some other religions... I'd say they, they, they are pretty much cults. They, they claim that Jesus, the Son of God, was created. He was a created being, therefore, he was not fully God. And that's flat out unbiblical, because we just read it right there in one sentence in John 1, 1, and it's all over the Bible, too. And in fact, that, that whole idea that, that Jesus is somehow created, it's heresy. And it assaults the very nature of God. It dismantles. It ignores. It degrades the very nature of God. It makes Jesus a creature rather than the creator. You see that? He's either the creator or a creature. He's either the one who created or he's just one of the created ones like us. And if we're worshiping someone who was created and not the creator, then we're worshiping a different Jesus, a different Messiah, a different Savior. We just are. And so John is really clear. He wants us to know that we know that in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. He was always and eternally existing because Jesus is God. He's not a creation of God. He wasn't created by God. Jesus, the Son, the Word, the Logos, the reason why, is God. He is God. There never was a time when the Word was not in existence. Jesus is eternal. Always with God always God So who is Jesus? The eternal one Jesus is God Do you know him do you know him? John underscores this other amazing reality and here it is point number two Jesus is fully human and fully divine both and Jesus is fully human and he's fully divine. Let's go to John 1.14 now. We're going to jump a few verses ahead. You're going to read all the other verses this week, by the way, right? Amen. John 1.14 says that the Word, speaking again of Jesus, speaking of the reason why, the Word became flesh. What? Yeah. He became flesh. Like, pinch yourself. Like, yeah, like that. Like flesh. Not not, not just a picture of flesh. Not, not just a You know, no, but actually the substance he became flesh and he made his dwelling among us Which means he stepped down from heaven And he came to this earth And became flesh Became a man We have seen his glory And john's saying like we've actually seen him in the flesh This isn't just some doctrinal statement. This just isn't some like, I had a dream, you know, type of a thing. No, this is like, and we've seen his glory. We've seen God incarnate. We've seen him in the flesh. The glory of the one and the only son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Now, look at this. You all know the Apostle John. He's the revelator, right? He's the one who wrote the book of Revelation. And we're going to get to study the book of Revelation in just a few weeks. And oh my goodness, I am so excited. People always say, Pastor, isn't it always hard? Aren't you always kind of afraid to teach the book of Revelation? I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, it's the the revelation of of Jesus. I mean, how can we not be excited about that? And it's revealing (laughs) his plan to come back. Resurrection. New heaven, new earth, all things made new. The old passed away. Oh, my, my, my. (laughs) Nothing more excited than talking about that. But anyway, so John, he's the revelator. He's the one who brought us the book of Revelation. But here's the other deal. John is also the revelator of Jesus in his gospel. You see what he's doing here? I mean, look look at the gospel of John. His whole purpose, what's driving him is, I want to reveal Jesus to people. I want to reveal Jesus to people. I want them to know who he really is. Like through and through, who he really is. Not just have happy thoughts about him. Not just, not just be like, I got the Jesus, you know, add-on in my life and it's all good and woo-hoo, he's my savior, let's roll. You know, no, like know him. Like, like be immersed in this relationship consumed by him. What are you consumed by? He consumed by Jesus? John was. John was. John reveals that Jesus is fully divine and fully human. That's, it's called a hypostatic union. It's this dual nature of Jesus, that he was both and, that he was fully 100 percent human, just as you are, just... In the flesh just as you are cut bleed Stub your toe ouch step on a Lego, you know, I don't think they had those back then but they might have I don't know The devil was roaming the earth so they might have had Legos back then um, You ever watch that thing where they put Legos on a treadmill and then people get on there and they run and the guys pouring Legos on There and they're just running. I'm like those are some sick people man anyway anyway but Jesus, fully man, flesh, but also fully God at the same time. At the same time. Well, he's got to be one or the other. He can't be both and. He's God. That's the point. He is both and. And I say he is because he's still fully God, fully divine, and fully human. He's still flesh. He's in a resurrected body. Remember, he ascended to be at the right hand of the Father. His resurrected body that people touched after he was resurrected from the grave ascended and is now at the right hand of the Father. And he's making intercession for us right now. He's not just some kind of floating spirit with wings, part playing. You know, no! He's the man, Christ Jesus, who went to the cross, who took it all for us who raised from the dead, resurrected body, ascended to be with God, fully God, fully man, both and. United in one person. No confusion in that. No change, no division, no separation. Why both? Why is this a must? Because if he wasn't both, he couldn't save us. If he wasn't fully God, he couldn't save us. If he wasn't fully Human, he couldn't save us. You might be thinking, I get the fully God thing of why he's got to be fully God to save us. Because there's no person that you can look all around the room, you can run all around this world, look for the most awesome person in the world, and they're not going to be able to save me. I get that. I get that part, he's got to be fully divine. But why fully human, too? Why is it both in? Why? Because blood needed to be spilled. Not some theoretical blood. There needed to be a physical sacrifice. Made because of our sin Because of our sin And no other person Or creature walking on this earth Could qualify To pay the price For the sins of this world For you have to be blameless to do that And only God Is is without sin Only God fully God, fully human, both in, because God is just that amazing and just that good. So Jesus is God incarnate. How many of you have heard that word around Christmas, you know, God incarnate? It's in some of the Christmas songs, so now you kind of know. Incarnate means like in the flesh, made human. God, Jesus is God incarnate. In other words, he put on flesh, he became human. He became human. You know, John, more than any of the other gospel, highlights Christ's humanity. Jesus experienced all kinds of of human conditions when he was on this earth. Physical limitations. He had emotions and and temptations. You know that Jesus was tempted in every way? Like, why would you tempt Jesus? You know he's God. He's not going to fall for that. He was tempted in every way. I love what scripture says, yet he was without sin. He never fell for it, not once. Not once. Jesus got hungry. He got thirsty. You can read about that in John chapter 4. Both. Because he was fully human. He got hungry and thirsty. How can God be hungry and thirsty? Because he put on flesh for you and me. And he, he put himself in that condition so that he could fulfill the mission of rescuing us from the pit of hell, paying the price for our sin. He got fatigued, John 4, 6, talks about that. He was sorrowful, John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus incarnate in the flesh makes him the perfect mediator between God and man. He had to become human. But I'm also reminded of this, and this is a quote that's from an unknown source, but i Anyway, they're just so humble. Maybe they didn't give their name, but this, 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 this is true. And it goes like this. A Savior, not quite God, though, is a bridge broken at the farther end. So he's fully human, but, but he must also be fully divine. Otherwise, he can't save the world. He can't save even one of us. So John underscores Christ's humanity, but even greater in his gospel, John reveals the divinity of Jesus that he is fully God fully man fully God the statement that he makes in John 10:30 that says I and the Father are one I'm God I and the Father we're one it affirms his his divine nature he's not just He's not just a creation of the father. No, he and the father, they are one. This is all part of that mystery of the trinity that's so beautiful and so big and so glorious and so God, so not us. You know what I'm saying? That the son and the father, they're one. The son is God. The father is God. The spirit is God. And John makes... These statements about Jesus check this out in John 14 9 anyone who has seen me has seen the father Why because Jesus is God He and the father are one to see Jesus is to see the father to know Jesus is to know the father because Jesus Is God Sent to save us You know Almost every heresy that you see out there from these cults and these different groups that really gets off track, it comes down to either they deny either the full deity or the true humanity of Jesus. They, they, they usually do one of the two. Well, he wasn't fully God or he wasn't fully man. No, he was. And in the Gospel of John, it is so clear so clear and so important. All right. I said it earlier, people struggle with who is Jesus. They wrestle with it. His disciples were wrestling with who is this Jesus. I mean, they're following this dude, right? They're watching the miracles, and they're still confused. They're still wrestling with who is this? Who is this? It took them a while for them to figure it out the Jewish leaders of the day, they were totally blind to who Jesus was. They were the ones who were calling him the prince of Devo- demons and devils, Beelzebub. So they were they were like completely blinded to it. The Roman officials were struggling to understand who Jesus was. Pilate was struggling, man. He was like, I, I don't see what the, why do you guys want to crucify? What's the, what? He was struggling with it, wrestling with it. Everybody wrestling with who is Jesus. And this statement from Jesus himself takes the cake and underscores who he really is. And here it is. It's, we're going to jump to chapter 14 here of the Gospel of John, chapter 6. And this is who Jesus says he is. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. Wow, that's quite a statement. I'm the way, I'm the truth, and I'm the life. And then he says, no one comes to the Father except Through me and if you really know me, you're going to know the father as well from now on You do know him and have seen him So Jesus is the eternal God of the universe fully human fully divine and number three Jesus is Savior He's the Messiah the Savior of the world the Lamb of God So Jesus says I'm the way. Now notice he just didn't say, I'm a way. A way. He didn't say, I'm just a way. He said, no, I'm the way. The way. The way to what? Well, Jesus made it clear. I'm the only way to the Father. In other words, I'm the only way to salvation. Every path. It's not the same. I mean we live in a world, you know coexist and that bumper sticker Oh, it sounds so awesome and isn't just you know There's all kinds of ways and and God 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 isn't gonna like you know He's he, you know, there are other ways there. There gotta be other ways. It can't only be through Jesus and no no Jesus is very clear he Says I am the way No one comes through the father there in other words There's no one else who is God who stepped down from heaven and put on flesh and went to the cross and took upon themselves the sins of the world. There's no one else that has saved and made a way and a provision for all to be saved. No one else. No one. Nothing. And I think it's just awesome that God would just lay it out there and, and take away the confusion and the wondering well, how do I get saved? How do I atone for my sins? How do I get cleaned up? How do I get relationship with God? How do I escape hell? How do I get to spend eternity with my Creator? And God says, Jesus, God says, I'm going to make it simple. I'm the way. You don't need to wonder, you don't need to spin your wheels. You don't need to worry about choosing the wrong path. I'm the way. I'm the way. Every path is not the same. You all know this. This, You you want to drive to... I don't know. Let's just pick a spot New York. Who would want to go there? I don't know. But maybe you want to go to New York, and you're going to drive to New York. So you're insane on two counts. Number one, you want to go to New York. And number two, you're going to drive to New York, okay? you got issues. You need some prayer. All right. But but let's say you're going to drive to New York, okay? So you're going to get your car and drive to New York. There's a way to get to New York. And there are a whole lot of other ways that are going to get you to a lot of other places. The way you choose matters. It will determine your destination. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way. You know, get on your iPhone, get open maps, and just put Jesus in there and say, Go. He's the way. He's the way. If you don't have an iPhone and you're an Android person, we're praying for you, okay? We're praying for you. <laughs> We all need prayer, man, because we all got these stupid things that just, um, I don't know. There's, there's some good, but there's, there's a lot of frustration in these little devices. Um, Jesus also says, I'm the truth. He's not a truth. Jesus is the truth. We live in a relativistic culture. that says, oh, there's all kinds of truth. You got your truth, I got my truth. They got their truth. We got our truth. It's all good. We all got our own truth. Everyone can have their own truth, but there aren't different truths. There is one truth. And and Jesus in this statement is very clear. In fact, John uses a capital T when he says, he quotes Jesus saying, I am the truth. Remember, he's the logos, he's the word, he's the reason why, he's he and he alone is the truth there is absolute truth his name is Jesus Jesus Well you know the Quran has some things in there that seem pretty good pretty pretty truthful yeah <laughs> lead you right to hell wrong path wrong way There aren't different truths Jesus is the answer he's the reason he's the truth And the truth, Jesus alone, sets us free. The truth will set you free. What does that mean? Knowing the right answer to something is going to set you free? No, it's talking about Jesus will set you free. Because he atoned for your sins. He and he alone. The truth will set you free. Jesus is the life says, I'm the life. He's not a life. No, Jesus is the life. He's not just simply one way to live our lives. He is the only way to live our lives. Jesus came that we might have life and that to the full. That's in John chapter 10, 10. The enemy came to rob, kill, and destroy. Because he's the devil. And he's going to end up... Okay? But he did. He came to rob, kill, and destroy. Man, I feel like I'm getting ripped off in life. All this bad stuff. Why is God letting that happen? That's the devil, okay? It's not God that's doing those things to you. Why is that happening with my child? It's not God who's doing that. All this brokenness did not come from God. God created a universe where there was no death, where there was no sin, there was no brokenness. And he's returning us to that just because he's so good. All the brokenness comes from our brokenness and sin and our flesh. But God says, I've sent my son Jesus that you might have life that that brokenness would be restored and you could have it to the full, not just not just a little bit like and, and have it now 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 too many Christians continue to get ripped up I'll be going I'll confess man I walk around too often. Why is the do Yeah, how, how are you doing, Pastor? Oh, I'm all right. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, it's good. You know, or I put on a happy face. Oh, it's all good. It's all good. Meanwhile, I've just been grumbling, you know, and, and all this kind of stuff. Do, do any of y'all do that, or is this just me because I'm getting old and grumpy? I don't know. Ugh. You just find yourself. My wife's like, why are you groaning? Why are you, you know, all the time? I'm like, what? I'm doing that? Oh, my goodness. Lord, help me. Jesus came that we could have life in that to the full. We need to help each other. Stop grumbling, stop complaining, stop letting ourselves get ripped off and start smiling a little bit more and walk it in the goodness of of God. Yeah, there are real things that happen and some bad junk comes down and and, and there's a lot of hurt in this world and trouble. There's no doubt about that. And we we aren't going to sugarcoat it. We aren't going to pretend. We don't want to put on some happy fake face and be those kind of people. That's not who we are. That's not who we're called to be. But there's a joy of the Lord that's deeper, that sustains us. There's a hope that we have in Christ Jesus that no problems in this world can take away. That's the life that we have in Christ because of Christ he wants us to know that to find it and walk in it every day Jesus is a way the truth and the life there's no plan B by the way I want to just hit this before we close here in a bit a lot of people criticize Christianity oh surprise hey they've been doing it since Jesus was born right anyway so they, they criticize and they say Christianity, y'all, you Christians, you guys are so exclusive, and your whole thing is so restrictive, you know, it's got to be Jesus, you know, there's no other way, and you guys are just so, you know, blah, 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 and, and I'm going to go ahead and say this, it's actually the opposite, and maybe you've heard me say this before, it's the opposite. Christianity is the most inclusive and welcoming religion, if you want to even call Christianity religion, it's just, it's, it's life, right? It's truth, okay? But, but Christianity is so inclusive, for God so loved the world, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever, av- whoever would believe upon Him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Anyone, all people, for God desires that no one would perish. Man, when somebody comes at you and says y'all are just so res- so exclusive and y'all think you got it right. No. God is so inclusive in Christ Jesus. Again, but here anyone who believes, anyone who receives, anyone who confesses Christ as Lord. And that's not just talk. I mean, that, that, that comes from the very, your inner man. Every fiber of your being. Truth. He doesn't want anyone to perish. Jesus isn't the way for some people. He's the way for all people. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that amazing? If Somebody says, y'all are so restrictive. Just say, I don't know, but I know that God has said that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, Jesus will be saved. That's pretty amazing just respond with that sometime So Jesus is the way the truth and the life he alone is our way to the father You know we live again in this in this culture that struggles with God you know and They struggle with knowing God but they also struggle with just even knowing themselves and and that's on such full display right now You look around our culture right now people they don't know who they are, man. It's like they don't—they don't—they don't know who they are. There's this identity crisis all the way down to the to the very aspect of am I a boy or a girl, or am I male or female? I mean, the people are struggling deeply, and it's real, and, it, and it's hard, and it's harmful, and it's it's painful to watch. It just is, and that's how we should see it. We shouldn't go all oh, those silly people who don't know who that. No, it's painful. They're struggling. They don't know who they are They don't know who they are Identity crisis gender dysphoria depression confusion Well, here's what happened John the, the disciple John got close to Jesus and he found out who he was Oh I'm the disciple who Jesus loves Now I know who I am He got close to Jesus He sat with him. He listened to him. He walked with him and all of a sudden I know who I am Do You see that? When people are struggling with who they are When you're struggling when when others when loved ones are struggling with who they are They need to get close to Jesus They need to get close to Jesus. Other people struggle with, and even Christians struggle with that that question of why. And and they wonder, why, why, why? Why is this happening to me? Why is this going down the way it's going down in my life? Why? Let me encourage you, get close to Jesus. Because in the beginning was the word. In the beginning was the reason why. Get close to the reason why. Get close to Jesus, and the things of this earth and the disappointments and the pain and the hurt will grow strangely dim as as that hymn goes, in the light of his glory and grace when we get close to the reason why, to Jesus. Some of you might feel like, well, I'm just the disciple that Jesus puts up with. I'm the disciple that he really can't stand, but, you know, he said it in the, in the Bible that he saved me, so he has to now. You know, some of you might think of yourself as that way. No. God wants you to know that you're the disciple whom Jesus loves. But you've got to get close to the Jesus who loves you. You've got to get to know him. I've been in this for a long time. I read the Gospel of John this week through and through. I'm going to just tell you, I got closer to the Jesus who loves me. I almost started crying at one point. And I know my identity, okay, so don't mess with me. But I did, I almost cried, getting close to the Jesus, to God, who loves me. Y'all, get in the Word. Read. Get to know Him. Get to know His heart for you. Get to know what He's done for you. Get to know how much He loves you.